Northridge. How are you doing this morning? Hopefully you're having a good start to your morning. I'm looking forward to today. We'll see how y'all handle the 9 o'clock service. Did they look shell-shocked to you as you saw them come out? They look like just like, wow, what, what? I've never been to church. They all look blushed and everything. All look offended. Yeah, that's good. Mission accomplished. I'm glad. Excellent. So we're excited that you are here. In case this is your first time here, let me just kind of put a little disclaimer on everything. Today, the message is entitled, The Sex Experiment. Now, if at any point throughout this message, I offend you, irritate you, bother you, or make you upset, my email is wes at southridgesanjose.com. And I take all my nasty emails there. Thank you very much. All right. So now that that's out of the way, let's dive into the word of God this morning. All right. Hosea chapter number three. Hosea chapter number three. We're in a series entitled From This Day Forward. We've been looking at this really um, kind of uh, uncomfortable book of the Bible called Hosea. Here's what I love. That scripture doesn't pull any punches. It gives us the real and the raw because life is real and life gets raw. And sometimes we can approach the Bible like everything's perfect. Rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies. But then we come to a book like Hosea. And in case you're not familiar, let me just fill you in on this book. There's this preacher, a pastor. His name is Hosea. He's preaching to the northern kingdom. There had been a civil war. So you have a southern kingdom and you have a northern kingdom. And Hosea's preaching in the city of Samaria. He's a prophet. There was 50 prophets in the entire Old Testament. So he's one of 50. Now to be a prophet, this is pretty distinguished. You're a pretty upstanding guy. You're uh, 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 pure. You're doing things right. You're trying to uh, 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 do the right thing. And so Hosea is doing that. But Hosea, he's preaching. He's a pastor. He's, he's a prophet. And God comes to him and says, hey, Hosea, you're single. And Hosea says, yeah, I'm single. I need, I need a girl. And uh, God's like, all right, let's, let's take care of that. Let's find you a woman. He's like, yeah, there's this cute girl, sings in the worship team. How about her, God? And God's like, no, um, not her. And the, he's like, okay, what about the girl who teaches in rich kids? She's real cute. How about her? And God's like, no, nah, let's, let's take a trip across town. Um, but let's do it later tonight. Let's go tonight across town. Not right now. She's sleeping right now. But uh, let's, let's go. Let's go. Uh, is that bad? Help me. It's going to be one of those days. You pray for me, okay? It's just, I'm feeling it, okay? And uh, so, so he's like, we'll, we'll meet up. So God and Jose meet up later that night, and they go to the Red Lamp District of town, uh, Samaria. And uh, he's like, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to go over there. And, and Jose is thinking, excellent. She's a missionary. She's a missionary to the rough area of town. I'm going to marry a good missionary girl. This is going to be great, and uh, uh, I can't wait to meet her. And God's like, no, nah, that's not, not, no, no, that's not. She's not a missionary. And um, uh, so they go, and God says, that's the girl. And Jose and God are, like, you know, having this conversation. Jose is like, God, what does she do? And God's like, uh, she's um, self-employed there. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, uh, she's in the entertainment industry, you could say. And uh, so, yes, I'm skirting around it, but God tells a preacher to marry a prostitute. And you thought the Bible was, like, <laughs> like so, so vanilla. You thought the Bible was so like just plain. No, the Bible just kind of gets there. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the topic of marriage and dating and sex, it doesn't take God long before he gets there. As a matter of fact, the first book of the Bible is the book of Genesis chapter one, verse 28. The Bible says, be fruitful and multiply. God's talking to mankind. Be fruitful and multiply means to have sex. And so the very first command that God gives us is to have sex. Bam. Wow. Mic drop. That's our God. Crazy, right? I'm telling you what. And, and you think like, like the world 
has a copyright on sex. No, they don't. God created it. He made it. It's good in the confines of what he ordained for it. And so we're going to dive into that because today it seems like culture is experimenting with sex and it seems like sex is everywhere. And it's kind of like a man who's on a life raft in the middle of the ocean and he's dehydrating and he's thirsty and there's water everywhere. And the more he drinks, the thirstier he gets. See, today we live in a sex-saturated culture, don't we? Sex is everywhere. Sex sells. Sex is, sells cars. Sex is on everything and every conversation. And for what's a, just a small little word, it has so much of a ripple effect. It's just kind of everywhere. It's out there. It's pervasive. And it's one of those things where I think too often what happens is we've taken God out of the bedroom and we need to bring God back in there. And some of you get weirded out the fact that I just said that. You're like, what? No, like for real? Like, no, that, that, no, no. Here's the thing. God created it. As a matter of fact, all right, you really want to go there? Genesis chapter number two, the Bible says God brings Adam together and then they have sex. And God is like, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's good. Right there. Right there. You're saying, what? Yeah, and that's scripture. All right, go read it sometime. The Bible just kind of lays it out there because God created this beautiful, wonderful picture of oneness. You see, the marriage math is one Man, one woman, one plus one equals not two, but one. God wants unity. God wants unity. And that's how God designed it. That's what he wants. And so we've entitled this message, The Sex Experiment. You say, what do you mean, The Sex Experiment? Because, and um, I think I have permission to use this. This might get a little bit awkward, but I think I got permission. And if not, I might need to stay at y'all's house. But um, that's, that's okay. I think it'll be okay. A few years ago, my wife came to me, and, and we had gone through some difficult things. And she says, I think we need to um, do a challenge. Now, you need to understand, my wife and I, we like to go to CrossFit. We, we know what a challenge is. We'll do uh, weightlifting challenges, dieting challenges. I'm always down for a challenge. And then she was like, we need to do a seven-day challenge. I was like, seven days, perfect. It's not too long, not too short. I could do, I could do just about anything for seven days. And, but then I started to think back, wait a minute, I've done like these seven-day diets. Those aren't very fun. I mean, you do it, but you don't like it. And I'm kind of like, oh, seven days. I don't know. You know, you start complaining. And then she's like, it's a seven-day sex challenge. I said, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. She's like, I was reading this Christian book, and I was like, it's a great book. I didn't even read the book. It's a great book. Y'all should read that book. You need to get that book. Like, right now, what are you doing here? Like, go to the bookstore, get the book. And uh, she talked about a seven-day sex challenge. Now, now, some of you are thinking, yeah, that sounds great, with your spouse, okay? Don't be thinking, hey, there's a secretary. No, 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 with your spouse, okay? That's, that was part of the book. But here's the thing. Sex is the thermometer of the relationship. And I know what we're thinking. As soon as we start talking about it in church, it's kind of like walls go up. Because why? Because many of us growing up, our parents came to us and they had the talk. How many remember when your parents had the talk with you? Oh, way more in this crowd than the other crowd. I mean, either they were a little bit more prudish or they just didn't want to admit that they had the talk. Now, here's the problem. Your parents had a talk and a talk is not enough for such a topic because even though this topic is talked about a lot, we don't, we think about it, but we don't think deep enough about it. All right. And so when it comes to this subject, you don't need a talk. You need a conversation about this, a deep, meaningful, lasting conversation. And you need it through the filter of what does this book say about it? Because culture is trying to tell you a different message about how sex should be perceived and how sex should be received. And so today we live in an area of the country that has influenced sex more than any area of the country. You say, what do you mean? In 1960, there was something called the 
sexual revolution. It was started downtown San Francisco off the Hate Street. That's where we saw the summer of love start. And the summer of love took off and it took the rest of the world by storm. And it was where we lost our inhibitions. It's where um, literally if you watch television from 1957, you got Leave it to Beaver. And you've got Mrs. Uh, Leave it to Beaver's mom. You've got her, and she would wear a, a nice dress, pearls, makeup, and she's doing the dishes. Like, yeah, right, like not happening. And then, you know, Mr. Cleaver, he comes home, and he's got his briefcase, you know, and his wife is all perfect and charming. And then you, you fast forward a few years, and all of a sudden now you've flipped it, and you've got a total different generation. And it was the sexual revolution. And, man, it took our world by storm. Here's what I'm praying through this message will happen, that the church will experience a sexual revolution. And I know you never thought the church and sexual revolution to start. Are you kidding me? Some of you grew up Catholic, so you're like, no, you never, ever talk about the two together. Like, that's just, it's like icky, it's evil, it's terrible, it's nasty. It's just save it for the one you're going to marry. You know, it's like we got so much confusion about it. But Scripture has so much to say about it. We don't want to miss out on what God has to say about this wonderful topic. And I, I want to break it down. I know what some of you are thinking. You got married, and you're like, man, my man, he just, it seems like that's all he thinks about. It's all he talks about. And it's not totally true. Now, 95% of the people in the room in your marriage relationship, one of you has a stronger sex drive than the other. Now, 95% of the time, it's usually the dude. Now, there is a small portion of you where she has a stronger sex drive than you. And don't raise your hand and don't... (laughs) Don't do this because we hate you. Just right now, I speak on behalf of all other men. We do not like you at all. But... Here's the thing. When it comes to men, and some of you are like, am I at church? Like, where am I? And it's baby dedication day, too. So who knows? Next year, this time, we may have a lot more babies to dedicate. We don't know. I'm trying to grow my church. All right? Don't judge. Don't judge. All right? So here's what happens. A man reaches sexual maturity at about 18, and then he kind of starts to, you know, he kind of starts to plateau. And as he gets older, it kind of starts to fade just a little bit, his sexual testosterone drive, it kind of tapers off, and then he dies. That's, that's how it works for a guy. That's, that's, that's it, it up and then down. That, and, and some of you think, that it's gross, that's terrible. I can't believe that pastors talk about that in church, and, and you're freaking out right now. But here's the thing. We don't ever talk about it, and sex is the thermometer of your relationship. I didn't say thermostat. It's the thermometer. A thermostat, you can control it. A thermometer tells you what's going on. And some of your marriages are cold. There ain't no loving going on. There ain't nothing happening. And you're like, what happened to the distance? What happened to the divide? You see, what a seven-day sex challenge does, you can't be intimate with a person that there's a lot of stuff going on. You just can't. You say, why? Because it's how God wired men and how God wired women. Now, let's go to the scripture on this because I want to look at the Bible. We're going to be at several scriptures, but we're going to start in Hosea chapter 1 because we didn't get finished with it. Let me read a couple passages of scripture as we dive into today's lesson, okay? Uh, Hosea chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. Wow. Just verse number one is crazy. Here's the thing about Hosea and Gomer. His wife's name is Gomer. Gomer had cheated on Hosea not once, not twice, but multiple times. 
You see, Hosea and Gomer, they have one son together, one child together, and then they have two more children, except for the fact that the other two didn't look like Hosea at all. They strangely resembled the mailman and the milkman. I mean, that's who they looked more like. You say, why? Because it was mama's baby, daddy's maybe. That's, that's really what was going on there. And Gomer had been unfaithful. Okay? But then she starts to get discontent and starts believing the grass is greener on the other side. She starts to believe that a monogamous relationship means a monotonous relationship. Because that's what culture says. Oh, you've only sleep with one person? How boring. You need to explore. You need to get out there. You need to play the field. And that's what culture, television, things, that's what they talk about. They don't understand that there is beauty. There is something awesome in one man, one woman for one lifetime. There is something great about that. That is the goal. Now, we live in a day and age where there is this door for divorce, and it's wide open. Now, if you're divorced here, we love you. We care about you. We're not here to judge you at all. But I even think you would agree you don't want anybody to go through what you've been through. And this could be one of the things to help because it's God's gift. Sex is a gift, but many people aren't enjoying God's gift of sex. You say, how does it play out? So God says to Hosea, go love a woman again. Now, here's this thing. If he was talking to any of his friends, they would say, hey, look, this girl's cheated on you, betrayed you, and God said to love her. Here's the thing about this love that God is saying. God wants him to love her in a deep and intimate way. But notice what Hosea does, though. Bible says, so I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said to her, notice this verse number three, and I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be towards you. And here's what's key. I want you to see in this experiment, the pace of passion, the pace of passion. Would you write that down? And this is where we're going to spend some time because when it comes to getting into the marriage relationship, the pace of passion is everything. Because most guys in here, before you got married, there might have been a whole lot of whoopee going on. And then as soon as you got married, you're like, what happened? What happened? We're like distant. There's, there's no more what happened in the relationship. And some of you, you're like, something is going on. Something's happening in the relationship. And here's what happened. The pace changed. The woman you married is a slow cooker. She doesn't just turn on right away. But you are a blowtorch. I'm on. I mean, you're just just ready. Just ready. Close her off in 3.5 seconds. Just there. You know, and just ready. Anytime, anyplace, anytime, anywhere. I think it's a gift that God has given men that you can turn anything sexual. There she is, washing the dishes, cleaning some pots and pans. You walk up, hey, baby, I'll clean your pots and pans. And then she just looks at you and wants to smack you with it. Like, like really? For real? You know? I mean, she's folding laundry. And, man, you're like, oh, I still got it. You know, and every guy, I don't care how old you are or what you look like, you always think you got it. You, you have Atlas in your mind. Like, you're like, I look like Atlas, you know, like got the world on my shoulders. I have the physique of a Grecian god, you know. That's just how every guy views himself. We just have great self-esteem, okay? So we just think, well, I'm a Grecian god. I'm going to go into there. She's folding laundry. Hey, baby, I fold your laundry. Mm, you know, and then you bite your lip. Mm, like, I, mm, what? And then she looks at you, and she wants to hit you with something, you know. And, or sometimes it actually works. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah. Mama likey, you know, I mean, it's one of those. But then you try it again the next day, 
And then she hits you, and you're like, it worked one day, and the next day I'm a creep. Like, I do not understand how this works. And we find that there can be this frustration because we don't understand the pace of passion. You see, there was something that Hosea had got into, and there was something Hosea missed. That because, and this is, this is, <laughs> this is going to offend a lot of you. Great sex starts between the ears before it starts between the legs. Okay? That's where it starts. And it got real quiet. It's like, well, did you just say that in church? Like, wow. Yeah, we just went there. Because a woman, happy place is her heart. It's her emotions. It's what she's thinking. It's what she's feeling. But a guy, his happy place If I see camera phones, this is online. I'm going to get fired as a pastor, all right? This is, this is, this is going to be bad, all right? Here we go. Draw me a little picture. We're going to keep this PG. Are you guys ready for this? His happy place is a smiley face. We're going to keep this, we're going to keep this PG because you all know what his happy place is. It doesn't take long to figure out her happy place and his happy place. But here's the thing. Guys, we just want to get here. We just want that. But what happens is we don't understand the pace of passion and what Hosea is doing. He, in the first chapter, we don't see anything of him talking to Hosea and saying, I'm going to set the tone for the relationship. I'm going to set the pace for passion. All of a sudden, they had a big falling out. They had to blow up. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, she takes off with other men. And she comes back. And he's like, wait a minute. I'm going to change the pace of passion. i got to start tapping into something else. I was always going after this. I was just like, it's all about this. It's all about this. I just got to have this. And let me tell you, ladies, guess what? Sex is oxygen for him. It's how God wired men. It's just how it is. Now, you can get grossed out by that. You can be bothered by that. And sometimes it frustrates us men, too, that God just wired us like this. But here's the reality. Or we accept it that this is God's plan to bring us together, that this is what God designed so that we could experience this intimacy. So let's get the naked truth about sex. Is Sex is this. What are the barriers blocking you in the bedroom? And I'll tell you, the biggest one is the fact that men... We need to touch this before we touch this. Because we reduce our wife down to parts and not a person. And it's easy to get fixated on parts of her and not the heart of her. Let me say it again. It's easy to get fixated on the parts of her and not the heart of her. Okay? So we have to, when we approach, we have to start here. Because guess what? Great sex, the great sex, to have great sex, starts with non-sexual things. Great sex starts with non-sexual things. You say, what do you mean non-sexual? It's the way you serve. It's the way you sacrifice. It's the way you love. Here we see that Hosea, he serves her and he sacrifices for her. He gets some silver. He gets some gold. He gets some things to buy her back. And then he's going to speak peaceably to her. He's going to be kind to her. What's he doing? He's trying to woo the heart. So why? Because when a woman feels loved here, she will show love here. But a lot of times we just want to get here. But here's the thing. Men, when we focus on this, she gives this. And then men, we give it back. It's a reciprocal cycle. It goes back and forth. It's the relationship cycle that God gives to men and women in holy matrimony, in marriage. God wants you to have 
Not just good sex, but great sex. Not bad, but better. Not infrequent, but frequent. You see, ladies, God wired men to need that sexual release every 72 hours. And some of you are like, my man needed it every 72 minutes. He's like, always after it. And it's just like, that's how God wired. So here's the thing. You need to understand the pace of passion. Otherwise, you go through the relationship and you're just frustrated why this isn't working. Now, here's the thing. You say, why are women so complicated? I can't just figure them out. In Genesis, we see the creation narrative. Genesis chapter number one, whether you're a Christian or not, here's the narrative. The narrative, God creates the sun and the moon. That's what he starts with, the day and the night. He moves on, he starts to create the planets. Then he starts to create land, he creates water. He starts to create plants and animals. And then God creates mankind out of the dust. And what is God's last creation? Shout it out if you know, what's God's last creation? It's woman. Now, notice something interesting about scriptures. Read between the lines here for a second. You see that God starts with ascending order of design. It's ascending in complexity. He starts with day and night. It's simple. It's not complex. It's day and night. Then he gets more complex. Animals, how they work, their rhythms, more complex. Then he gets to man, and it's a little bit more complex. And then God ends with woman, God's crowning creation. You say, I can't figure her out. I can't understand her. God intentionally said, this is my crowning creation. She is beautiful. She is amazing. And this is why we stand back just kind of in awe at the complexities and and the amazingness of what God created to be woman. And so if we approach it and just say, well, she just needs to give me this, she won't. You've got to speak to her heart. You've got to love this before you love this. And in dating, it was easy. It was just like, hey, let's just do this. And today in our hookup culture, it's just like this. And what's terrible, we have a narrative that's being sold to guys that guess what? Women have a sex drive just as strong as a man's. And it's not true. And some of you women, you're frustrated because you're like, I pretend like I want it, but I just don't. Now, some of you in marriage, you do it out of a service to him. It's a service. You're going to say, hey, he's been loving me here. I'm going to love him here because I want to love him well. So that's why I'm going to challenge you with a seven-day sex experiment where you say for seven days, we're going to be intimate seven days around. Some of you are like, that sounds great, but wait a minute. I got kids. I got work. It's tiring. I mean, how are we going to, you're going to have to get creative. Now, some of you newly married, you're like, that's already happened. We like rabbits and we hate you. We don't, we don't like you. You can leave the doors in the back. Um, yeah. Uh, but for the rest of us, we have to step back and say, this is going to take some creativity. You know, how we're going to spice this up. What are we going to do? So guys, you know what that means? It means you get home early and you get those kids in bed. You give them a bath. Man, you clean the kitchen because it's all about taking things off her plate because you're a blowtorch. You're ready to go. But she's a slow cooker. So, man, before you leave for work in the morning, hey, baby, I just want to tell you, you look good. Man, you just look great. That flannel, you work in that flannel. You want to runway something? Man, that flannel look good on you. Mmm, girl. Mm. You know, and that's how you leave. You leave. You leave with that. You don't start nothing. You don't touch nothing. Just don't touch. Just, just don't. Just say it. Just start speaking life into her. Make her feel beautiful. Because why? Great sex starts between the ears before it starts between the legs. So you're starting in the morning. Because it's going to take her all day. All day. All day. And you're going to get home. And you left, you left her in flannel. She's going to come back. And you're going to be like, oh, whoa, what did the baby do to you? you got, were you burping him and you didn't? And she's just going to be like, I haven't showered. I haven't gone to the bathroom by myself. Dinner's Pizza Hut. What do you want? And she's just scratch your belly like, you want this? <laughs> you know? And you're like, 
You know what I mean? You've had those nights. Let's get real. It's just us in here. It's just church. But if you speak to this, all of a sudden, when you make her feel her worth, she will show her worth. And what happens is, men, we've got to start that slow cooker, let it marinate, let those juices flow. But too often we think, I'll just show up with flowers, and that'll do it for her. You know, in dating, that works. But cards and flowers when you're married, it doesn't work as much. What means so much more is figuring out what her needs are. We used to have these old radios where we'd have to dial in. We'd have to tune in. You'd have to find the right frequency so you'd get a good channel. You see, guys, we want to turn it up before we've ever tuned in. But we need to tune into her needs. What's she saying? What's she thinking? What's she feeling? And before we feel her, we need to feel her. Before we feel her, let's feel her. And you will find that as she feels loved, she will show love. As she feels it, she will show it. And so then you'll see that, man, as I tune in, we're tuning up. Great things are happening because I've understood the pace of passion. It's not something we're frustrated by. We're not bothered by. It's something we work at. Now, here's what's interesting. God said this in Genesis. He said that God said for them at the first wedding ceremony between Adam and Eve, he said the two shall become one. Now, notice God said the word become one. He didn't say they are one. He said they're going to become one. And the word there is this constant working at it. Here's the thing. We look at that and we say, man, marriage sure is hard because of sin. Marriage sure is hard because of all this. Guess what? God never intended it to be work. Okay? There's the MWE. What's the MWE? That's the marriage work ethic. The marriage work ethic. Too often, we're willing to put more time, get this now, hear me now, we're willing to put more time into an affair than we are into our own wife. We work so hard to hide the text messages. We work so hard to hide the accounts. We work so hard to open up a separate credit card. You work real hard at an affair that if you would just work at an affair with your own spouse, imagine where your marriage could be. She would love it if you would take a rendezvous, surprise rendezvous, instead of going on a business trip to go to some hotel. She would love it if you would just show up and get her something nice. She would love it if you would just take the kids. She would love it if you would do those things. Because if you clear her plate, you show her that she's loved well, she will show you that you are loved well. But here's what happens. You have this blockage in the bedroom because you don't understand that I've got to work at this. And guys, we just kind of assume that it would be easy. That's why porn is so popular nowadays. I don't got to do jack. She's smiling, she's happy, and she does anything I want. I know, it just got real, I just took the the, the tone down, but that's exactly where it's at. Why? Because that's why it's so popular, because I don't have to work for it. But when you have a real woman, an intricate, complicated, beautiful, awesome person, you say, I I love this person. You know what bothers me too, I'm going to throw this out there, is I hear guys talking about a type, and then I look at who you're dating and who you're married to, and you talk about a type, and the person you're married to doesn't fit your type. No, 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 that's wrong. If you're married to her, that's your type. If she blonde, you married her, your type is blonde. If she has black hair and you married her, your type is black hair. I don't want to hear this. Oh, my type is this person. You named some Hollywood movie actress. Dude, don't do that. You're stupid. You ain't never going to get this. This will be a lock and chain and a little keyhole. You ain't never, ever going to see that. It's gone. Not happening. Why? Because you're like, my type is this, you know? And like, okay, all right, then you go call the Kardashians. You see if they're available. That's your type. Give me your type. You ain't got no type. 
man, I got a type, and you ain't my type. I'm, what am I doing with you? That's what, that's what she's thinking. So we love this well, and you will find that there will be other things that open up. But here's how God meant it. God meant for the man to serve the woman and the woman to serve the man. And it's this beautiful cycle where there's harmony, there's matrimony, there's this great thing. And sex can be beautiful. Sex has major benefits. And here's what I, I have to ask this question. If sex is so wonderful, sex is so important, where is it the priority on your calendar? You say, what do you mean on the calendar? No, I'm serious. Like, like you just kind of think it's going to happen. But if you never plan for it to happen, it's amazing how the kids can prioritize. You know what kids stands for, right? Keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. That's what kids mean. Come on. It, you made love to make them, and all of a sudden now they're repaying you the favor by making sure you never do it again. What are you doing in there? I got to go pee-pee. And you're like, shut up, you know. And, I mean, you're just trying to play music, trying to do whatever you can. And then you're, you're getting it on, and you see little fingers under the door. You're like, it's like a horror film. Like, like you're losing concentration, and your wife's like, come on. And you're just like, I just can't. I got fingers grabbing, and it just, you know. And one's got a booger. I got a booger. You know, and you're just like, I'm out of the mood, you know. And just, just it doesn't work. You say, why? Because we've got to make it a priority. So I don't know what you've got to call it on your calendar. Call it Twister. And your kids are like, yeah, we're playing Twister. And your parents are like, no, it's not that kind of Twister. We're going to do a different kind of Twister, you know. And uh, you could do something like this. Sunday is fun day, you know. You could put Monday morning madness, you know. Um, there's a reason, guys, get a burst of testosterone in the morning. Ten hut, you know. And um, you got two for Tuesday. Yeah, you could put that on there. You got wild Wednesday. You got a thirsty Thursday. And you got freaky Friday. All right? And then Saturday's a day of rest because you just had freaky Friday. So you need a day of rest. You need that. Give it to yourself. All right? So here's the thing. We don't, we don't put it on there, but it is important. It's God's gift. And here's the thing. I have a big problem where the culture has hijacked sex, where they think it's their thing. Christians should have life-giving, great sex. And here's the thing. Your kids see that mom and dad have a great, intimate, awesome relationship. Their marriage is strong. Guess what's going to happen? They get satisfaction knowing that mom and dad have a strong marriage. Mom and dad love each other. You see, Ladies, you're trying to get your man to do something for you. I will tell you what. We don't use sex as a reward or a weapon, but I'm telling you, I've told my wife, hey, you can tell me anything you want to tell me after that. I mean, whatever you want me to do, anything, I'm, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll, I'll do it. We serve a whole lot better when that's in the relationship. When there's healthy flow of this, when it's healthy, you'll find that the relationship is better. As a matter of fact, you can find that more sex equals more sex. The longer men go without sex, the more they need it. The longer women go without it, less they want it. Research. If you've gone a month without it, you and your spouse, that's an indicator something's going on. That was God's means to say, hey, what's going on? There's, there's problems. And it's not for us to get upset and mad about it. It's for us to dive into it. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote about it in the New Testament. Paul writes and he says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. All of a sudden we're like, I don't like Paul. I don't, I don't like him. I just don't. Don't know why. Just don't like him. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband shall fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Here's the thing, guys. You need to get off of your mind that there's foreplay and you get on your mind that there's choreplay. All right? 
You see, you've heard of a late night booty call. It's time for a late night duty call. All right. That's what it's all about. It's like, hey, this God says it's a duty. And then he goes on to say the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way. The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And all the men are like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I'm, I like the pastor has the best verse. I need that. Then I can show it to her. Hey, I have authority over you. Now, it's not to be abused. Paul's talking about this cycle. It's a beautiful thing when it works together, when it works together. But too often, guys, we're stuck seeing blue when she needs us to see more purple, the power of purple. That's what she needs. And too often, we're, we're not worrying about this. We need to be sensitive to this. They're delicate. They're intricate. They're beautiful. It's wonderful. So we need to start thinking how much work to put into pleasing that person. So before we tune, turn up, we need to tune in. But then Hosea lays out a path back to passion. He says we're not going to be intimate right away, but he gives us a path back. You see, you need to know there's a path back to intimacy. You today, I hope you have a conversation, maybe on the way home, maybe at your house, and you say, look at each other and be like, man, that pastor, he dirty. Man, I can't believe he talked about that. He's my, he's a pig. What's wrong with him? You can throw me on the bus, it's totally fine. But then be like, but you know, babe, he, he, he brought up some things that are, I mean, yeah, I kind, kind of need it more than Christmas and my birthday. You know, that's <laughs> a long time. It'd be cold and lonely these winter nights, you know, and then you just, you need to have that, that conversation. But too often we just, we don't, she needs to know how much you actually would appreciate it. And that she needs to be able to tell you, I would appreciate if you'd come home earlier and you would change the diapers, you would clean the kitchen, you would take care of the kids and you would let me just go out for a little bit. She needs that so that she can give you this. She needs that. But too often we're just like, she just needs to be on. She just needs to be on. And she's not a microwave. She's a crock pot. Okay, not a crack pot, a crock pot. Okay, you're like, she's crazy. I don't know what's wrong with her. Man, always want me to be doing work and stuff around the house. Like, I work hard at home. No, no, no. It's the MWE, the marriage work ethic. Marriage takes work. God always meant for you to work for it. Here's what amazes the woman. You worked hard to get her, but you won't work hard to keep her? I only got two amens. Two. Two. There's two relationships that'll work. All right, there's two. So if you work hard to get her, work hard to keep her. Don't give her a reason to want to go play in the field. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, hey, this is why you need to have this marriage relationship. Why? So temptation doesn't come up in the relationship. So there's no reason for lust. Too often we're, we're, we're playing the field. Why? Because nothing's happening at home. We're not taking care of the needs of each other. And you both have needs. Her needs, his needs. You have them. Talk about them. Express them to one another. And too often, we just kind of jump into the relationship, and we don't think about, hey, how am I helping with that person? But too often, we don't see sex as sacred. It's a sacred act. And so Hosea is saying, let's have a path back towards it. Let's work on this. And notice that Hosea pays what it takes to get her. You see, love doesn't take. Love gives. He was willing to give to her, willing to do something for her. What are you willing to have, uh, have that great sexual relationship? Are you willing to give? Are you willing to serve? But too often we just take it. Now, I'm going to say this, and I may offend a lot of the ladies in the room and some of the men in the room. Because ladies, some of you give up this so easy. And you're like, I can't find a guy that just loves me for me. Because you're willing to give him this on the first date. You are undermining your own self-interest. In the words of first Beyonce, if you want it, put a ring on it. That's good. That's good. That's Beyonce. 
man, I'm telling you what. But too often, you're undermining women your own self-interest. You're like, he won't marry me. He won't get engaged to me. He just, he just, you're giving him this. Why would he? Why would he? You're on Tinder just like out there. And you're just like, well, I'm just trying to find a man. I'm a man of dogs. I just want to find. Well, you're hanging out in the kennel, honey. You are. Okay. You, you are. Okay. So it's time you say, I'm going to put this on lockdown. And I'm going to make him wait for it and work for it. All right. And that's just a word to my single sisters. All right. I'm just saying that I'm just putting it out there because some of you, you're like, I'm so frustrated with the dating scene. I'm so frustrated with men in general because get this. All right. We're going to build a, a church building, $1.2 million. And I got contractors that are like, yeah, just pay me up front. And I'm like, not on your life. Not on your life. Will I hand you $1.2 million? You say, why? Do you think we're going to see a building after we hand them that check? Absolutely not. We'd be stupid. And can I say this nicely? Sister, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, but you're stupid because you're like, oh, yeah, take me. And you just, it just, you're making it so easy for him. And you will find he will be way more committed. And you're not manipulating him. And I'm just going to say it straight. Sex is always meant to be in the context of matrimony. That's, that's how God designed it. I counsel married couples, and I'll just be honest with them. I'll say, you know what? Marriage is hard. It's difficult. I do not know how to do this thing without God. That's what last week, the power of purple. We, I, I, don't know how, I, don't, I don't know how to help you without God. I really don't. And your dating relationship, when it comes to this seven-day sex challenge, some of you may be like, yeah, I got my live-in boyfriend, and I got this friend, and man, you know, we need something. That's why we're here, and we really need something. Seven-day sex challenge is not going to fix your problem, actually. It's not. Because how can God bless what you've already distorted? And I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to be hurtful. But it may be you have to have a conversation with her or him and say, hey, we need to get married either right now, today, this week, or I'm going to move out. It's not because I don't love you. Because how can I ask for God's blessing on our marriage and our relationship when I'm not even doing what he told me to do? And I know right now it's going to get awkward. It's going to get comfortable because culture has normalized the live-in boyfriend, the live-in girlfriend. And it's economical. It's financially feasible. It makes all the sense in the world. But here's the thing. You want to do it God's way or you want to continue to follow the world's pattern? You want to follow culture's pattern? Culture doesn't have it. And culture is telling women, hey, it's friends with benefits. No woman is looking at a movie like Friends with Benefits or No Strings Attached and thinking, yeah, they they just nailed me. That's me. I don't really want lasting, life-giving, affirming relationship. I just want sex. No woman is doing that. A guy wrote that movie. It's totally a male egocentric world. I'll take it a step further. You go into your modern uh, clothing stores, notice the posture that they have the women in. Their hands are up in a surrendered position, in a position that says, just take me. I'm just a thing to be desired, just a thing to be had. And where do we show men? Men are more of an aggressor even as your own marketing that you see in most closing stores. Where the culture has told you a lie, ladies, that you're just a thing to be had. Let me remind you, God said you are my crowning creation, ascending order of importance and complexity. He puts you at the very top. Don't let culture, don't let the media, don't let your friends, don't let Cosmo, don't let the Kardashians bring you down to a level where you no longer value who God made you to be. And men, my brothers in the faith, let's not try to get this before we go after this. 
And you say, well, Pastor, we already made some mistakes. Here's what's amazing. This couple did too. That's why I like this story. You say, I've messed up. You know what? You probably haven't messed up as bad as this couple. But look where we find them. God redeems them. He loves them. God restores them. So today, maybe a day, you say, God, I need you to redeem me. I need you to restore me because I made some mistakes. And this is why we started Southridge Church. It's so that you can come to a church where they're going to have an honest conversation about sex. Not just a talk, but a conversation. It's going to be uncomfortable, but we can laugh, we can giggle, we can, we can kind of look at this thing from a biblical perspective. We see that God created it, God loves it. He wants you to have great sex. He wants it for you, but he wants it in the marriage. And that might be the motivator to get that dude to marry you. You say, hey, you want this? Put a ring on it. Let's do this right. Let's honor God. Because us pretending to be one, It's not what God wants. This pretend has to stop. And some of you, you're wondering why your relationships aren't working. Because you hop from man to man or from girl to girl. And you're like, it's not satisfying. It's like the man in the raft. There's water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. And the more you drink, the thirstier you are. So this morning, can we rededicate and say, God, I want to find out what you say about this topic. I want to change the pace of passion. But then I want to find the path forward for passion. God has a path for it. Here's the thing. You thought the church is no when it comes to sex. God is always about do it in the marriage. That's what God wants. God wants you to do it. Touch your neighbor and say, do it. No, no, don't, don't. Actually, that could be bad. It's like, it's my mom. You know, it's like, yeah, sorry, sorry. God loves you. He wants to do something great in your marriages. Can we all... Come around that. And don't walk out and be like, this is so gross. Can't believe the pastor would talk about that. It's fine. If it'll get you to have a conversation, because some of the ladies here, you are locking your husband. You are depriving him of oxygen. And he, in turn, is depriving you of oxygen. And you both need it. It's life-giving. It's the thermometer of the relationship. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. We thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you've spoken. Help us to put sex back in the context of marriage. Help us to realize this is a powerful, sometimes uncomfortable truth, but help us to fall back in love with the spouse, the God-given spouse that you've given us. Help us, Father, to be restored. Help us to realize there is redemptive potential as we seek you. We love you, Father. We need you. We need you in our marriages. We need you in our homes. And God, we desperately cry out for you. Marriages are failing every second, every minute of every day. And so, Father, we need something new and fresh. Give us a fresh anointing over our relationships. Help us to find a path forward in our relationships. I pray that if this seven-day sex challenge maybe will transform somebody's relationship, where they will once again discover the gift and the joy of what sex truly was meant to be. It's a gift given to us by God. It's a sign of unity, of oneness. It's a sign that there's nothing nothing blocking the relationship. And so, Father, may our church experience a new level of intimacy, not only just with God, but also with our partners. Pray that you bless, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.